Hi, I'm Tom Yoder, and this is Fieldwork, Misadventures at the Edge of Science. When we think about science, we mostly think of lab coats and microscopes in sterile and controlled environments. But there's a whole bunch of science that gets done in much more dirty and dangerous places. Science that's done by biologists, archaeologists, geologists, and a lot of other kinds of ologists who do field work where there are sometimes no roads, no shelter, and no backup. And many times the best stories from the field aren't about the science or the coolest discoveries made, but about surviving the fieldwork conditions and mishaps that inevitably happen while attempting to gather data in strange or sketchy situations in the outdoors. After listening to the adventures and misadventures of some of the people who make the Four Corners their home, visit mesaverdecountry.com to plan your next adventure in Mesa Verde Country. Chris McAllister is an archaeologist with the National Park Service based at Mesa Verde National Park since 1999. Her work includes archaeological survey, excavation, and cultural resource management. And her specialty is condition assessment and architectural documentation of cliff dwellings. She also has worked as a fire archeologist and conducted post-fire assessments and treatments. Chris holds a BA in anthropology from Marquette University and has co-authored a number of professional reports and presentations on the archeology span of Mesa Verde. In her free time, she enjoys hiking, reading, and listening to KSJD radio. Chris and I met on the patio outside Wild Edge Brewing Collective in Cortez, Colorado, on an unseasonably warm evening in January, a few days before she left for several weeks of excavation in Egypt. Hey, Chris. Hey, Tom. <laughs> Good to see you. You know, uh, we're here at Wild Edge, and uh, I'm having the Columbine, which is like a, a sour and you're drinking it an IPA, good. I think, Yeah, right? this is a, I think it's a double dry hopped IPA. Nice. Yeah, nice. stepping stone. Very good. Yeah, and we are sitting outside. It's uh, early January, and uh, COVID is kind of raging again in the community, so we decided we'd just go outside and sit on the, uh, the patio, as it were. And uh, it's actually not very cold, so that's nice. Surprisingly nice for January. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we're also going to probably have a little bit of traffic noise, but that's okay, too. Right. <laughs> well, it's we've tried good. so many times to get this to happen, so thank you for being persistent. I appreciate that. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. So you are an archaeologist. How long have you been an archaeologist? Well, since 1993. Okay. Yes, so a okay. long time. That's a pretty long time. Yeah, yeah, going on 30 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. It kind of blows my mind. <laughs> How'd that happen? Yeah. yeah. And okay, so you're going to actually tell a few little vignettes today, it sounds like. Yeah. So you right? can just dive right in whenever you want. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, I was reflecting back on my experiences in the field, and uh, some of the most interesting times I had were working on military bases. And I worked on two of them in the 90s. One was uh, Fort Polk, Louisiana near Leesville, which we called Sleesville. <laughs> it was a really interesting town. I'd never even been to Louisiana before that job. Um, so that that was one Air Force base. And we also worked, or that was an Army base. And then I worked on Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada. And that was pretty interesting, too. That's where Area 52 is. Ah, what is yeah. Area 52? Uh <laughs> I mean, I know Area 51, Actually, right? I meant to say Area 51. Okay, okay. Or am I wrong? It's Area 51 or 2? 
No, it is Area 51. Okay. This has been a long time. But you're right. And the infamous uh, UFO landing Absolutely. And yeah. that was interesting. When I started that job, we had to go through this whole security background check and then um, watch a video about the confidentiality of whatever we saw there. And we were basically told that we could not repeat anything we saw there. Even on a podcast? Well, <laughs> Ooh, here we go. I know I might be breaking the law here, but I don't remember signing anything. I just mm. remember them telling us, like, even if you saw Elvis, you didn't see Elvis. That's what they said. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had a <laughs> security escort who was with us all the time in the field. Um, yeah. She would drive in our vehicle and be with us all day. Well, she didn't always walk with us. Sometimes she stayed at the vehicle because we covered five to ten kilometers a day. And yeah, uh, I was gonna ask. That yeah, would be there for there were times. Yeah, usually she sat at the vehicle, but she would get bored, and so sometimes she walked with us and she learned a lot about archaeology while we were out there. It was cool, and she was a, a good person and fun to be around. Nice. Yeah. All right. So, what kind of misadventure did you have about? <laughs> well, fifty one or fifty two. Yeah, I'll, I guess I can start with that one because that was interesting and it did involve um, our security escort. We were hiking um, quite a bit that day. We would carry, this was in the summer. And this is all survey work? I yeah, think. survey work in Nevada in the summer. It was often up to 110 or more. And so we had to carry a ton of water and we were gone from the vehicle for quite a ways or quite a long time. And we would try to uh, coordinate very well with the Air Force because there were active bombing ranges going on. But it was a huge Air Force base. So we were usually just working in areas where nothing was supposed to be going on. Well, this one particular day, uh, we'd been out there oh, for a few hours. And I can't remember how far we were from the vehicle. But I remember you know, coming over a bit of a rise and seeing our security escort, I think her name, well, I guess her name should be uh, <laughs> confidential. Doesn't matter, really. <laughs> CJ. <laughs> so she comes running towards us, and she's waving her arms, and she's screaming. And for some reason, we were out of radio contact. Maybe our radio battery died. It was a long time ago, late 90s, so I'm having trouble remembering every detail. But she was all excited, and she's like, you guys have to get back to the car right now, right now. She's like, run. She's like, they're going to be setting off a bomb and we need to get out of here now. Oh and we're just God. like, what? You know, nobody was expecting that. And we had two crews out there. Uh, we probably had like eight people and we had a couple of vehicles and we just all, we were really tired. But when we heard that, we all started running as fast as we could with our you know, all of our equipment. And uh, we finally get back to the car all out of breath. And she's like, uh, people are trying to put their packs in the back. She's like, just get in the car with your pack. You know, we got to go. <laughs> and, uh, wow. and she's like, she's telling the other driver, we got to floor it. And usually we were taking these old dirt roads at like, I don't know, 25 miles an hour. <laughs> We were going 50, 55, 60. We're getting faster and faster. She's like, we got to hurry. We got to hurry. <laughs> Wow. And we're bouncing all over the place, and um, we we made it. We ended up, uh, I think we got out of the, the area of concern with just a few minutes to spare. And then we saw the explosion behind us, and, oh, you know, man. it looked like a bomb going off, which is what it was. So there this was, was like 
this bomb was they had dropped from a plane? Ordinance. Yeah. Oh, the, was, well, okay. or this was a practice one. That's right. Uh, we did run wow. into a lot of unexplored ordinance out there that they would yeah. at times schedule to blow up. We knew about that well in advance. And we usually knew about um, the practice bombings well in advance, but there was some miscommunication there where either wow. we play, changed our mind where we were going to survey that day and the word didn't get back to the base or Man. something like that. And like I said, I don't remember all the details, but I remember just having to haul <laughs> ass <laughs> and literally run for our lives. <laughs> wow. That is wild. Yeah, it was wild. So do you have like a, a clear idea about how far away that explosion was from you? Or was it like you actually saw it like you turned we around could and saw it? We could see it in the distance. I mean, I think we had to get miles away. Wow. I mean, we we were probably five miles away when it happened. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly. I'm sure I knew then, but the details are kind of fuzzy now. <laughs> it was wild. And there were wild horses out there. And we did uh, see a herd out there when we were surveying. And then after that, that bomb went off, we, we could see them in the distance, like coming towards us because they were getting away and they, they, they were, were okay. Running. But yeah, that was wild. Oh man. <laughs> Okay, extra fun yeah. on the military base. Yeah, that wow. was that was amazing. Is that yeah. did that ever happen again, or was that like kind of a one? -time no, thing? that was the only time, and it shouldn't have happened. And yeah. I think our security escort got a talking to because, uh, for some reason, you know, the communication of our whereabouts hadn't been properly, you know, transmitted to the right people. Yeah, that could have been very, very ugly. Yeah. Well, yeah. Can you imagine? Oh man. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, Wild. As far as I know, nothing like that happened again. Did you ever see any uh, UFOs? <laughs> <laughs> I do remember coming across like a large spherical object that wow. was silver. And we were told it was a weather balloon. But oh, the classic. I, I know. It. A and <laughs> it was so weird. It didn't look like a weather balloon to any of us. Huh. Um, and our security guard kind of, you know, it, it just seemed like she had a pat answer for us and uh -huh. that we didn't really know the truth. So it was it was interesting, wow. I have to say. <laughs> wow. I love that they said it was yeah. a weather balloon. That's like I know, right? a classic Yeah, answer. we're like, really? Do we look like we were born yesterday? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> awesome. Mm. Anything else you want to share from that particular uh, bit of field work? Well, um, yeah, I was just thinking about how it was... <laughs> It was a desert shrubland. A lot of it was desert pavement, and there was hardly anything growing. And uh, it was myself and another woman and then a bunch of men out there. And it, it was really difficult when you had to go to the bathroom <laughs> trying to find a oh, place no cover. to hide. Yeah. Sometimes you just had to use the truck as cover and yeah. wait till you're back to the truck. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I don't the, know if you want things you don't think about. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a lot of things that... Um, uh -huh are yeah interesting when you're working in the field did you guys see any archaeology out there i mean it's we that's did. all great basin yeah. stuff right? yeah great basin yeah. a lot of lithic scatters um that was the the bulk of it lots of basalt some obsidian um some cool points were out there but yeah mostly lithics quite yeah. different from here <laughs> yeah yeah right we get spoiled um, around here with archaeology yeah for sure. so lots of little campsites and stuff um but yeah. it was neat Cool. I think we saw a few rock circles, too, if I remember cool. right. So yeah. you also worked on a military base in Louisiana? I did, yes. And that one was um, even more dangerous because we didn't have an escort and we didn't go through any training. And at Nellis, they also 
um, always had a Geiger counter with us. Like if, if we got to an area that was completely devoid of vegetation and, and looked suspicious, um, we could test for levels of radioactive because they had dropped atomic weapons out there yeah basically and so um we were able to avoid places that would be hazardous to our health well on fort polk i mean that was really early in my career i'd only been in the field like one season when i went out there and this is louisiana yeah Mm -hmm. in louisiana Mm -hmm. um and i did not realize how many hazards would be there and i hadn't been in louisiana before luckily it was winter so the the vegetation wasn't quite as thick as in the summer but it was so thick the bramble brambles were so thick that it was hard to get through a lot of times and we had to use ample places to pee right yeah that wasn't an issue there (laughs) (laughs) but we were shovel testing and you had to use your shovel like a machete to get through often and there was one time where i was fighting and fighting to get through and stay on my compass line and i just got to the point where i was completely stuck and i could not go forward so I'm like, well, I'll go out the way I came in, and I turn around, and it looked like I couldn't even, I could see some broken branches, but like it was so thick. Here? It was like, yeah, it took me a while to get out of there. Oh, man. And that was a pretty common occurrence. So, so that's survey work, too. Yeah, that was but survey. that's got to be a lot different. I mean, if you can't see what's on the ground, how do you Right. Well, I grew, up, uh, I grew up in Wisconsin, and I started doing archaeology there, and that was pretty standard shovel testing. So I was used to that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's so different from the southwest here. Um, yeah. How does that work with shovel testing? So you, um, you dig a circular hole, usually about 30 centimeters across, and you need to get down to um, what would be sterile soil. So in Wisconsin, these were often only um, 25 to 35 centimeters deep, and we would hit sterile clay, but we had nice loamy soil up top. Um, and then you would sift that through a little handheld screen that you carried with you and look for any artifacts. Mm-hmm. And then if you found artifacts, um, you would spread out from there, do more shovel tests to determine the extent of, of what you're dealing with. You wouldn't always do those right away. It depended on the crew chief and the project. Sometimes you would come back and test around them later. Uh, but you would record positive shovel tests, which yeah. were ones that had artifacts. And then in Louisiana, the um, geography is much different in the geology. And some of those tests were really deep. I mean, you could dig 50, 60, 70 centimeters um, on average. And sometimes you could dig down a meter or more. You could barely get that oh deep with God. your shovel. But when we were testing a site we had found we often went really deep. <laughs> so, that must take some time. I mean, yeah, it, really slows it does. Down. It does slow down. Yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's, it was an interesting place to work because it had been an army base for a long time and there was unexploded ordnance all over the place. And we were just basically told, you know, be careful not to hit any ordnance with your shovel. And if you're <laughs> digging and you hit something hard, it might be a rock, but it might be a bomb. So just stop and go on to the next one. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going, okay. That makes then, digging a yeah, little different. Yeah. <laughs> a little ginger. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I had a few nervous moments for sure. Wow. Yeah. Did Luckily, you ever hit any ordinance or did you think you ever? There hit was once I think I did. It looked, you know, gray and metal like I was, it was kind of far down. It was hard to see, but I just stopped and like, yeah, that doesn't. Uh, that doesn't look like it's a rock, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to take any chances. And wow. we were space far apart. Um, it, in areas of high probability, we were only maybe 30 meters, sometimes 15 meters from our partner but or the other people on our crew. But in low probability areas, we were 
50 to 100 meters apart, which was crazy. I'm like, how is this even a survey? (laughs) Because we could be missing so much. And you could hardly shout to the person next to you. Yeah, 100 meters um, is And we didn't each have a radio. I mean, when I look back, I was so new back then, um, I didn't question things as much as I should have. I mean, I did, but it's like, oh, well, you know, people do this all the time. I'll be fine. Look back and, you know, for $8 an hour, I'm working (laughs) in a place that has... Quicksand and uh, concertina wire all over the place, hidden foxholes, cottonmouth snakes. We had to cross drainages quite often in unexploded ordinance. And we had like no training on how to deal with any of these hazards. We didn't have an escort on this. It was just like, okay. I mean, we had a brief introduction on our first day from a commander on the post. It was like, oh, watch out for this, this and that. Okay, have fun. Don't find too much. Okay. (laughs) I know, right? Yeah, because then we have to shut. You know, we can't use this as a a, a bombing area anymore. If you find a site there. Yeah. (laughs) Did you ever encounter um, quicksand when you were out there? Did you ever see anything like that? I did actually, and we were taught um, the areas that looked to be the highest probability, and to always, you know, test with your shovel ahead of time before you'd walk across. And if your shovel started to just sink in you would go around well sometimes the quicksand was even like in an area with a two track across it because the the groundwater would shift and change Mm. over time and i was walking one time on my line and got to a two track and i tested with my shovel and it seemed stable i started to walk across that road and as soon as i took a step my foot started sinking a little bit but i was already taking another step and and then I'm trying to pull out my foot and I can feel my boot being sort of sucked off. And one of my leg, the first leg was down almost to my knee when I got the second leg out. And I was shouting to the person next to me and he came oh. running, but he was pretty far away. And he was about halfway to me when I managed to get my other leg out. I was using my shovel up on the <laughs> solid ground. And I was screaming because I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Wow. So it is kind of like in the movies. It is. It was. I was like, wow. I mean, that just looks like a normal road. I would not have imagined that's quicksand. And I'm like, the stories are true. (laughs) So (laughs) I was even more careful after that about testing everything. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Lesson learned, huh? Absolutely. Any other uh, misadventures or adventures in Louisiana to share? Well, yes. Uh, Another interesting thing about working in the South like that is working with Southern archaeologists. And I'd only worked in the Midwest before that in Wisconsin. And uh, these Southern archaeologists, they're really hardcore. (laughs) And and when you think about the conditions they're working in all the time, I mean, you get it. They're, They're tough people and they really drink a lot a lot of them I mean not everyone but and this was back in the 90s too and the crew that I was working with they were hard partiers and there was one guy on the crew um who who tended to just drink hard every night as soon as we got off work and I suspect he was drinking at work sometimes too (laughs) a little whiskey in the coffee in the morning anyway um he went on a bender one night uh when we were supposed to get up early and work and uh and he had put, like, ribs or something in the oven and just passed out. And his roommate woke up to, like, the smoke alarm going off. Oh and God. that was all crazy. But um, he couldn't even find the – well, no, I guess he was in his bed. But he was passed out. Wasn't going to be working with us that day. Like, okay, well, I'll go out to the field. And they did leave him a vehicle in case he felt better later. And um, and then we went out and did our survey all day. And 
uh, found a nice spot for lunch and met up with another crew. We happened to meet up at the same spot. So we had two crews there. I think we had four people on each crew. So there was like eight people. Or no, we were missing him. So we had seven people. <laughs> and we kind of just sat around in a circle. Everybody found a log or a nice spot to sit. And we are having our lunch. And uh, just talking and telling stories. Having a good time. And all of a sudden we hear this yelling coming from the woods. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> and we all kind of turn and look at the source of the yelling. And all of a sudden the missing archaeologist bursts out of the woods. And he's only wearing his backpack his hat and his boots <laughs> and what? he's like screaming and beating his chest and he just runs right through the middle of our circle <laughs> and everyone is just sitting there in shock we're like what in the world is going on wow <laughs> whoa we're like what is happening clearly he's still drunk but how did he get here and what's going on and, and how did he get here with no clothes on? i don't know i think he must have left them in the woods he hopefully didn't (laughs) drive out there like that (laughs) so that was wild that was like our kind of naked bigfoot story (laughs) it was crazy and he just disappeared again and we thought he might come out but he didn't (laughs) we didn't see him till later that night (laughs) and then he acted like nothing had happened yeah i was just gonna ask like did he own it or no not really he may not have remembered it (laughs) (laughs) i don't even know if he did oh my gosh that was crazy Jeez, that mm. is wild. That is very wild. It was wild. Yeah, it was pretty eye-opening experience working <laughs> on that sure military base <laughs> in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what's the archaeology like in Louisiana? I mean, what kinds of things, artifacts, sites were you looking at there? Yeah, well, um, there were a lot of um, archaic and, um, uh, I can't forget what they call the prehistoric time period after that but um mm-hmm. there were uh a lot of like temporary camps and things that we came across uh, a lot of lithics again similar to nevada in that way sometimes we would find shell we weren't that close to the the coast on the coast mm. there's a lot of shell middens mm-hmm. and things like that um but it was some pretty cool archaeology and i remember um just thinking you know how are we even going to find stuff just the way we were shovel testing and how yeah. far apart we were um, but we did find a good bit, you know, you'd find a few flakes here and there. And usually when you'd spread out, we'd, it'd help us figure out how big it was and what kind of site we were on. Most of them were temporary campsites. Um, but we would find some isolated finds and some of those were really cool. In fact, one time I got to the top of this little knoll and I thought, well, this is a neat view. And it was real close to where I should put my shovel test pacing. So I just put it right on top and I dug down and, um, I wasn't finding anything, but it was a cool spot to hang out. And I'm like, well, I'll, I'll just put in one more shovel. I almost stopped, but I thought, yeah, this is this is cool. I'll put my shovel in one more time. <laughs> and I popped up like this gorgeous archaic point. Wow. Like 30 centimeters down. It was just beautiful. I think it was called a turkey tail, or that's what they called it down there. Yeah. And it was like this butterscotch chert, yeah. beautiful point. And I couldn't believe, because my shovel test was pretty small by the bottom. It was just this little area that I'm sticking my shovel down in, and I happened to yeah. come down right on the point. And it was and whole? It was, it was whole. whole it was, wow. yeah, intact, beautiful. Neat. Um, it was really, really cool. And then we did shovel test around it and spread out. There was nothing else there. It was just an isolated point, and I happened to come right down on it. <laughs> Isn't it funny how sometimes when you're in the field and you're kind of like in a cool spot, and like you could almost feel like this was a place where someone would have 
hung out or maybe camped out or yeah you know it's like almost like you can relate in a way you can to that space absolutely I've definitely gotten that feeling and then when you find the stuff you find some artifacts it just validates that yeah yeah they were here they were hanging out just like I would have been just like me yeah that's cool (laughs) (laughs) definitely so yeah I think those are my highlights my big stories (laughs) (laughs) very cool well thank you for sharing your stories for the podcast i appreciate it oh you're very welcome it was fun to reminisce a lot of that stuff i hadn't thought about in many years (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's fun to go back and stretch the memory a little bit definitely i know i'm like i should be keeping a journal i should have kept a journal (laughs) it's not too late though that's right more adventures to come (laughs) right (laughs) cool well thanks chris you're welcome i love how sharing stories gets the memories flowing The day after I talked with Chris, she sent me the following message with some additional details about her time staying in Beatty, Nevada, while working at Nellis Air Force Base. It was too good not to share. Beatty is a little town in Nevada. At the time I lived there, I remember three restaurant casinos, a couple of gas stations, and three brothels. And there wasn't much more than that. (laughs) Um, The restaurant casinos all featured chicken fried steak. And there wasn't much else you could get there. It was certainly hard if you were a vegetarian, uh, which luckily I wasn't. Um, But yeah, we got pretty tired of eating out pretty quickly. So set up a little camp stove in our hotel room. Uh, What I remember most, though, are the, the brothels. There were three of them. Angel's Ladies, the Pink Lady. I don't remember the name of the third. But I think it was the Pink Lady, which was outside of town a little bit. Uh, had a mattress out in front of the the house. And the story was that that mattress had been there since before World War II. And uh, they would fly planes over the area. And if someone jumped out and landed right on the mattress, then they got a freebie. <laughs> oh, it was uh, quite a place. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fieldwork, Misadventures at the Edge of Science. And big thanks to Chris for sharing her stories about doing archaeology on military bases. We are sure glad you survived, Chris. If you are a biologist, archaeologist, geologist, or any other kind of ologist field scientist living in the Four Corners area and have a fieldwork misadventure to share for this podcast, please contact me by emailing tom at ksjd.org. I'd love to hear from you. Fieldwork is a production of KSJD Community Radio in Cortez, Colorado. Find out more about KSJD on our website at ksjd.org. And this podcast is supported by Mesa Verde Country and the Colorado Tourism Office through its Restart Destinations program. If you want to learn more about the archaeology of the Four Corners, don't miss another podcast from KSJD called Mesa Verde Voices. It does a really good job of discussing the prehistory of the area through the lens of contemporary perspectives of the indigenous people whose ancestors lived that history. You can find the Mesa Verde Voices podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. The theme music for Fieldwork is from Genuine Cowhide. You can, and really should, listen to their incredible tunes on Spotify. I'm Tom Yoder, reminding you that when you're parachuting, to always, always aim for the mattress. (laughs) 